Isn't it funny how we all start off with a plan or conception of what our life and career will look like, but oftentimes we end up in a completely different place than we ever could have dreamed? Well, this is a podcast where we sit down with celebrities, athletes, and entrepreneurs to hear how they handled life's unexpected events. I'm your host, Andrew East. I'm an engineer turned professional athlete turned entrepreneur, and I'm super excited to bring you these stories to help inspire you to reach your dreams, no matter what they look like. If you haven't noticed already, today's episode is longer than usual, and that's because I wanted to leave the entire interview unedited. I felt like Nasio really portrayed what her true personality was, and I didn't want to tamper with that. Um, also, we cover a lot of ground. The first 35 to 40 minutes is all gymnastics talk, and then we transition into some more personal issues, and we finish with our Q&As where she has some fantastic answers that you won't want to miss. Today's episode is a powerful one, and... I sit down and interview my good friend, Nastia Lukin. Um, and Nastia and I go way back. You'll hear us joke about being roommates, which is true. And uh, we explain and talk about that in the episode. But Nastia was kind enough to share um, some very vulnerable information, uh, both about her career path, but also about some personal things that she's going through. And um, I just really wanted to first thank her for being so vulnerable and being so open. And I just think it's so cool. And she admits this in the episode that a lot of times what she puts out on social media um, does not match what her true personality is. And I think in this episode, we actually get a hint and uh, a sneak peek into the heart of of the nausea that that I personally know and and my wife, Sean, knows uh, so well. Um, In regards to some of the more vulnerable information, I wanted to be sure that since nausea trusted me um, and, and telling me the things that she did that I deployed the information in, in a respectable way. And so I hope that I framed the information as she wanted, which was to make sure that all parties were respected and uh, to make sure that, that all parties were shown in a positive light. And I think that shows Nastia's heart towards the whole situation. And I really respect that approach. Um, and I would just ask of you guys, since this this is the first time that she's talked about it. Please, in your responses to this, be abundantly graceful and um, positive as you reach out or comment or respond to this. And uh, that would be my one request. It'd be much appreciated. And for those of you who haven't done this yet, if you could do me a big favor and go ahead and pull out your phone and on whatever platform you're listening to this on, subscribe, whether it's Spotify, iTunes podcasts or YouTube, please subscribe. That is the biggest encouragement to me and the biggest incentive for me to continue to make these shows. Anyway, I'll go ahead and let Nastia take the floor and I hope you guys enjoy this one. All right, guys, I am so excited to bring you the one and only Nastia Lukin. Um, Nastia is a very dear friend of mine and I don't know, Nastia, I'll let you explain this, but we're actually we're actually roommates still. We're are. roommates. <laughs> I know. It's kind of weird to say and acknowledge, but it's true. I know. You know, what's so funny is, you know, all of us have really spent so much time in LA the last, well, I think more so Sean and I, you know, probably even more so than you, I think since the 2008 Olympics and we've never really had a place in LA and we'd always stay in hotels all the time. And so it was really around that the same time we were both looking for like a one bedroom apartment to rent. And then we just like kind of looked at each other and we were like, okay, this is either going to be the best idea ever or the worst idea ever. And let me just like preface that, like Sean and I are both the only child. We've never had a roommate in our life. And so we were like, 
we got to set some ground rules first, which we did. And I feel like it's been over 12 months and I feel like we've done a really good job. It's been fun, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Not perfect by any means, but I feel like we've made some really, really uh, amazing memories together. And uh, Amazing and I, memories. And I feel like we've been, you know, we've all really been adults because there definitely have been moments where, you know, it's we, we get annoyed or something bothers us or whatever. And we just figure it out and we, you know, continue going. Now I will say like, this isn't like a 365 kind of roommate thing. So, right, you know, right. I'm not always in LA. You guys aren't always in LA. Right. but it is fun when you know we happen to be in LA together yeah um and yeah and be roomies for a second well it's actually interesting to hear that you say you've you've been annoyed because that's I haven't been annoyed at you <laughs> at all so I guess the truth's coming out um no. I mean I beg to differ but I'll let that one slide <laughs> yeah no it's it's been great um so we talked about what this show is it's all about kind of uh people who have had interesting career changes or career pivots and I wanted to start with you just kind of telling about your upbringing and the early stages of your, your gymnastics career, which obviously mm -hmm. was legendary. I'll let you take the floor. Yeah. So both my parents were gymnasts. My dad competed at the 88 games, won four Olympic medals there. My mom was a rhythmic gymnast and a world champion um, in that. And so being the only child, um, I, I was born in Russia and we moved to the United States and I was about two and a half years old. And and my parents really had um, a dream and their dream was to open up a gymnastics school one day and coach their own athletes to becoming, you know, hopefully world and Olympic champions. They never in a million years kind of imagined or thought that it would be their own daughter. Um, but it was their, their dream to, you know, coach champions one day. And at the time they didn't have really any money. They were living, you know, penny to penny every single month, like balancing everything out. And so they couldn't afford a babysitter. And so that's really why at the beginning, I, I just spent so much time in the gym because there wasn't really anywhere else for me to go. Obviously, once I started school, I spent a little less time in the gym going to school, but I fell in love with the sport so, just so early on in my life. And for me, it was just, a big playground. I mean, you know, I thought it was the coolest thing in the world that <laughs> I had this, like this huge playground and basically this free gym that I could go to anytime and jump on the trampoline and swing on the bars. And, you know, my parents saw pretty early on how much I loved the sport and they, you know, they definitely kind of did a double take and they were like, hold on, like, this is not really what we wanted. We didn't, <laughs> they kind of said like, we don't really want you to do gymnastics. And and at, at such an early age, I really didn't understand why, but kind of looking back at it now, you know, I, I totally get it. You know, for them, they wanted me to find something that made me happy, that brought me happiness and love and, and that passion. And that was gymnastics for me right from the beginning. And so then they kind of realized that, you know, they, they didn't want to take that away from me and they didn't want to take away the passion and love that I had for the sport, but they also knew that they didn't and were never going to push or force me to do it. So it really just came from, from within, from me just falling in love with the sport. And then they started kind of realizing um, that I definitely had, you know, somewhat of a God-given talent and some pretty good genes. And so they were like, all right, well, if she wants to do this, you know, we'll help her out, but we're not going to ever push or force her to do gymnastics. So that was kind of really, I guess, how I got started. And my dad was not my first coach. My mom actually was. And she was a little bit too much of a mom. Like if I told her I was tired, she would tell me to sit down. And 
And my dad was like, all right, well, she's going to get real far in this. And um, <laughs> I, you know, he actually took over because I was on the bars one day and I was doing this skill called a straddle back. So you're going from the high bar and like kind of just flying back down to the low bar. My hand slipped um, and it wasn't the coach's fault by any means. This was like a total freak accident, but my hand slipped and I got a black eye. And I came home from the gym and my dad was like, that's it. He was like, you know, it, it was a complete kind of like protective dad safety thing. And he was just like, not that I don't trust any other coach, but you're my daughter. You're my only daughter. You're my only child. If you're going to be doing gymnastics and these difficult skills, like I want to be the one, you know, that's kind of in control of spotting you or teaching you new things. And so from that day on, he became my coach and um, you know, it was, it was definitely moments where it was difficult, but at the same time, I trusted him more than, you know, any other coach or anybody that I could ever get to know. And how old were you when you actually started gymnastics? I never know the answer to this question because yeah. I don't know necessarily like for me, because I grew up. So when I was born, my dad was actually still competing and training for the Soviet Union. And so, you know, wow. he was competing at a world championships when, when I was born and, and kind of growing up. And so I grew up in a gymnastics gym. I took my first few steps on a gymnastics floor as opposed to a living room floor. And so I don't necessarily know exactly like when did I actually like quote unquote start gymnastics? It was just a part of my life. Um, you know, I, I guess kind of going back to my first competition was when I was six years old. So, you know, obviously add on a few more years, you know, before that of doing some mommy and me classes and then right. a pre-team and then team. So yeah, it's hard to say exact, like an exact age. And how old when your dad became your coach? I want to say, so level six, I want to say I was about eight years old or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Talk to me about Woga is your parents, Jim. And mm -hmm. um, an empire. I mean, we were at uh, the championships in August and I feel like half the girls there were from Woga. Like there wasn't, there wasn't one grouping that didn't have at least one yeah. Woga girl in there. Talk to me about what their vision for the gym was starting off, what it is and, and what it's turned into. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's definitely evolved quite a bit. I feel like in the last, ooh, I guess it's been now over 25 years. Um, but, you know, again, moving to the country, they just had a vision and their dream was to just open up a gym and coach athletes mm -hmm. to, you know, yes, they wanted, as I said earlier, they wanted to coach Olympic and, and world champions, but at the same time, they just kind of wanted to help and guide whatever, you know, goal that their athlete had. So, you know, yes, some of them wanted to go to the Olympics, myself included. Some, you know, people just wanted to do it for fun. Some wanted to get, you know, a full ride to an NCAA school. And, and they've had numerous and numerous athletes that have gone on to amazing, you know, D1 and D2 schools and um, have gone on to do incredible things. But, you know, I think for them, that was a goal that they realized that they wanted and in the Soviet Union, um, you know, that wasn't going to be able to be possible. Everything was government run. And so, you know, they weren't going to be able to do that independently. Yeah, sure. They probably could have been, you know, great coaches there um, and, you know, still probably been able to coach world and Olympic champions, but not really create a business and a life for themselves. And, and really that was also a big reason of moving to the United States was, when I was born, you know, they kind of decided and, and wanted to just give me the best possible life that they could give me. And they felt that the United States was kind of the place to do that. And so, 
you know, it was a combination of things, but, um, you know, early on it was, you know, everything they, I mean, they were in the gym from, you know, 6am to 11pm, just coaching every single class. Like they were running the front desk and the mommy and me classes and the team and, and just everything. And, you know, they couldn't afford to bring over enough, you know, coaches and they didn't have like the bandwidth basically to do it all. But at the same time, they did it all and they, and they made it work. And I think for me now, looking back at it, of course, I don't necessarily remember all of those moments, but just seeing photos and, and, you know, hearing about those memories, the older I get and the more kind of involved in business that I get, the more I'm like, wow, like what they did was so incredible. And also not to mention they didn't speak a single word of English. Wow. So, you know, I put myself in, in their shoes and think, okay, if I got the opportunity today and someone told me, you know, you need to move to Japan or to China or somewhere and you have to now, you know, you, you don't have money, you don't speak the language and you have a baby and you have to just create this business, like go, <laughs> you know, I think like that's such a scary idea but at the same time they were so driven and so motivated to be successful and and to, to achieve their dreams that nothing was going to stop them and so I think to me kind of realizing that and seeing kind of that success story and really being able to be part of that has kind of given me you know the whole belief and motivation that anything truly is possible and and whether it's starting a new business um you know, achieving a goal within your sport or just within life in general and, and, and having the, you know, the bumps in the road and the obstacles that, you know, we all have to get through, whether it's personally or professionally, um, has just kind of every day, I kind of like, take a second and, and look back at what they've done, you know, despite the hard times and, and the happy times and, and realize that, you know, really anything is possible. But, you know, I think the vision, obviously, from the beginning was just to create an environment for, um, you know, young kids to achieve whatever it is that they wanted to. So again, whether that was to go to the Olympics or whether it was just to, you know, maintain a level of fitness and do something fun that they love to do. Um, they, you know, they've, they've definitely done that and kind of conquered, I feel like every step and every goal that they've had within their business. No joke. And their goal was to produce one Olympic champion. And now how many, how many Olympic yeah, medals? I know it's, oh gosh, I need to count. But I mean, it was, it was kind of crazy and cool. So Carly Patterson competed at the 2004 Olympics and, and she was our first um, Olympian from WOGA. And, you know, before Carly, it had been 20 years since Mary Lou Retton, you know, competed and won a gold medal at the Olympics. And so Carly kind of really set that set the tone and set the bar, not only for WOGA and for our gym, but really for the United States again, because, mm -hmm. you know, then of course, Sean and I competed at that next Olympic games. And, um, it just became this like domino effect of every single Olympic since really Carly it's the yeah. U S has just been dominant. And, um, so it was, it was really, really cool to be able to not only train with Carly, but obviously get to know her and become incredibly um, close to her and, and see it in front of my eyes and see, okay, if Carly can do it and she's, you know, doing beam routines on the same beam as I am, you know, I can do it too. Like it, it is possible. And so, um, yeah, it was, I think for being able to grow up in that environment was so special, but I also didn't realize 
how fortunate I was because I didn't, it, it was so normal, you know, for me to be able to be around world champions and Olympic champions mm -hmm. and, and kind of see and, and have these incredible mentors in my life on a daily basis without me realizing or seeking them out. They were just right in front of me. Uh, and, and I was just so lucky to be able to learn from so many incredible people. And, and again, both in gymnastics and in kind of that professional side of life and things, but also, you know, personally, and just be able to um, learn some really, really great, valuable lessons, just life lessons from yeah. a lot of my teammates and a lot of my coaches as well. Yeah, it really is such a powerful point. Um, in my career, like in high school, I didn't have great coaches, didn't have mm -hmm. a lot of, of people around me, those mentors that like kind of expanded my vision of what I viewed as possible. And then I went off to college football and now all of a sudden I'm around these amazing athletes who are doing extra work in this sense and coaches who are pushing me in this sense. And it makes all the, like, I think if you have a good supportive community and, and coaches and people that are there to kind of uh, disrupt your, your perception of reality and what you think is possible, like so much is possible uh, if you have that around you. Um, and you don't realize it. I think if you don't have it, you know, like you don't uh -huh. realize like, but then when you do have it, you're like, oh my gosh. And, and kind of like the reverse, like I had it from the very beginning. And so I almost like didn't realize what an advantage it was because I never like didn't have that in front of me. And then, you know, obviously moving on into different chapters in my life where, you know, whether it was business and, and starting to kind of grow your, you know, your, your little bubble or your circle, your community of those mentors and other aspects of life, you're just kind of like, wow, this isn't as easy as, you know, right. it was when it, in gymnastics and it was just mm -hmm. right in front of me. Yeah. Uh, I love the homage you're paying your parents and the respect you're paying your parents. Um, one question I always love asking people uh, is the team that they had growing up that has allowed them to achieve whatever level of success that they've yeah. reached. Um, can you talk about that team? Obviously your parents are a big factor in that. Um, but Mm -hmm. yeah no I mean it was you know being able to be in Beijing and be at the Olympics and I just remember standing on you know that podium listening to the national anthem and, and truly kind of thinking about that team and we we really always called ourselves like team Lucan and it was it was this triangle um wow. you know it wasn't by any means a single person effort like me standing there like I mean and I'm sure Sean would say the exact same thing or really any athlete that's standing on you know, a gold medal podium, like you almost want like to bring everyone up there with you. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think like the team aspect of the competition in gymnastics is so special because you're up there with your teammates. And that really how even individually it is because as you know, as an athlete, you know, it was yeah, my dad was my coach, I was the athlete, but my mom truly held it all together. She was the glue. And kind of that, the, the that top point of the triangle like she held us together um both in times of disappointment failure adversity you know frustration like she was the one that um, made it all better all the time and mm. so I would actually say that she had the hardest job because she got it from both sides you know I would come home being frustrated and and you know my dad and I are so similar um, that we butt heads a lot because we're just like perfectionists and we're very stubborn. And so I would come home and be like, blah, 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 about my dad. And my dad would come home and, you know, talk about like what happened to me and like why I can't do this and whatever. And she, so she'd have to kind of be that middle person. Um, but she, I, I don't know. I feel like she was just 
all moms like always know what to say, you know, in the moment, but she truly was just kind of made for, um, for that. Like she was the, the, really the glue that just held it all together. And so, you know, for me, and, and that honestly has carried over in my life even today. Um, you know, not just in gymnastics. Like I know that I talk to my mom every single day, um, throughout the day. My dad is terrible with text messages. So, you know, if you got to, if you need to talk to him, you have to pick up the phone and talk. And, um, so I'm trying to get better at that. And, and I think he's trying to get better at texting because I'll text him something. And three days later, I'm like, Hey, like, did you get that message? Yeah. Yeah. I got it. And I'm like, well, you got to reply to <laughs> yeah. let me know that you got it. And he's uh, like, Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try to be better. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been really, really special to be able to, you know, have a career, um, especially so early on in my life where um, it really was such a family effort. And, you know, we, we always kind of said, like, at the end of the day, it's, it's not about the gold medals. It's not about the success, but it's about family and mm -hmm. everything else is it, everything else comes second, you know, and, and that's kind of how it's been. Um, even the last few years, we've, you know, as a family gone through adversity, um, you know, personally, and, um, you know, I think each of us, whether it's, you know, something in our career, our personal life, sickness, or, you know, whatever. And we've all kind of just proved um, to each other and continue to remind each other that, you know, at the end of the day, like everything else goes away and you just have each other. And so I feel like that's been super, super important to me um, this last year, um, just kind of going through personal stuff and, and kind of realizing that, um, no matter what, like your family and your little bubble is going to be there for you and the rest comes second. Mm -hmm. There's a lot in what you just said that we're going to touch on later on. Um, but I do want to know, I'm curious to get your perspective on this because you were younger, but you know, Sean and I worked together and mm -hmm. work, working with a relative, having that close working rela relationship is a really tough thing to balance. Yeah. Um, and so we've had to consciously set boundaries on how we're going to operate business wise versus like just straight private personal life. Yeah. Um, I'm curious, did you and your dad have anything like that? It sounded like your mom was a huge piece in, in balancing that out, but was, was there times where you're like, Hey dad, let's just, you know, let's just go out and have a, a, a dad and daughter date. Oh yeah, absolutely. And you know, both my dad and I, but also I think watching my mom and dad because they also work together and right. starting that business together. So I've kind of like seen it all. Um, and yeah, I mean the week it was, it was tough, obviously, especially like the, the more stressful or the, you know, the times where, you know, competition was coming up or especially Olympic year, it was just kind of like, let's just like, we got to do what we got to do, you know, to kind of like get through this. Um, but really we, as a family, um, we really tried to prioritize this, like weekends and, you know, the times that we weren't in the gym, we were just a family. But when we were in the gym, you know, he always wanted it to be very clear that if he's telling me something or, you know, giving me a correction or, you know, whatever, I, I'm, I'm a very kind of um, sensitive person and a very emotional person. And so that was really challenging for me at times to realize He's not talking to me as, you know, my dad, he's talking to me and trying to help me as a coach to mm. an athlete, you know, not a dad to a daughter. Mm. Um, and so I feel like that once I was able to kind of realize that and kind of that kind of clicked where, you know, I've kind of gone through similar things of 
you know, what you were saying with you and Sean. And, and sometimes it's like, okay, you got to turn off the fact that you're in a relationship and it's like, okay, this isn't my husband talking to me. This is my business partner talking mm -hmm. to me. Um, and it's, it's really challenging because it, it really, the boundaries overstep on a daily basis and you have to try really hard to kind of not let that happen. But it's, you know, we're all humans. We're all sensitive. We all, especially when it's with someone you love so much, you want to make them happy, you want them to be happy. And, um, but I think being able to step as, or kind of set as many boundaries as possible, whether it's like a timing thing of, okay, as soon as, you know, for us, it was as soon as we got back from the gym from training, like as soon as the clock was seven o'clock, training was done for the day, like no more coach and wow. athlete, you know, it was dad and daughter. And so wow. really being strict on setting the boundaries. And, you know, that's not, I'd be lying to say that there weren't times where I came home and gymnastics came up at the dinner table because, yeah. you know, it was also hard because then it was like my parents were, you know, had this business together that was also gymnastics. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot of times it was, them catching up on things that you know they weren't able to do because my dad was coaching the whole day and then they still have a business to run and and so a lot of times gymnastics came up it wasn't necessarily you know about my training or my competitions but something going on in the gym so they really really prioritize weekends and in the time away from the gym and any family vacations we had like we really really tried really hard at least to not talk about work and you know obviously work being gymnastics at the time and um but yeah I mean it's it's difficult and I think it's difficult you know I kind of on a personal level have been around you and Sean like so much in the last few years and I know like it's it's hard it's hard to set those boundaries of being like okay right now we're just having friend time you know and it's like we do the same thing too where you know I think when whether it's like the three of us and we're you know at a workout or you know at a dinner or just at like a charity event mm -hmm. or you know doing something and it's just this is friend time but then work stuff comes up and it's just like you know you I think it's also how you look at it because you can look at it and you can say like oh here we go again like we're talking about work but then at the same time you can look at it and be like you know it's really cool to be able to have friends that understands, yeah. you know, whether it's your industry or they're just as motivated and driven as you to be successful or to set these new goals or to create this new business or create a new project and to be able to be able to collaborate together is also really cool. So it's, you know, I think it's, it's hard to kind of set those boundaries, but yeah. it's, it's really cool being able to be close and have people in your life that you're able to share, you know, whether it is a business or, um, you know, something like that with. Yeah. And that is, you know, kind of ties back into our point about community earlier where I feel like I loved LA some, or I do love LA so much because, yeah. um, you're just around peers who are, have similar ambitions, dream as big as you do. And there, there's something yeah. magical about that. Um, I want, I want to talk about your gymnastics career, not, not any specifics, but I'll just do a quick recap for, for those who are unfamiliar, um, and this blows my mind, but you've won five Olympic medals, nine world championship medals, eight medals at Pan Ams, eight medals at Pac Rims, and that's just the beginning of all your awards. Um, I want to hear... a reminder because I didn't remember. Like after <laughs> yeah. Olympic, it gets a little fuzzy. Yeah. <laughs> um, which of those awards mm -hmm. are you most proud of? Maybe then you have to be those, but what, what have you accomplished in your gymnastics career that, that you are most proud of? 
You know, for me, it goes way beyond the medals. Um, I think when I look back on my gymnastics career, I kind of, there's a lot that I obviously can think about, but a lot of it is truly just the lessons that I learned within the sport and in the friendships that I have created. You know, for me, it's more so about those relationships and the people in my life. And, you know, the life that I live today is obviously because of my gymnastics career. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, it's beyond, it's way, way beyond the medals or those accomplishments that you listed off. It's, I look and I think like, I'm still lucky that one of my best friends in the entire world is one of my Olympic teammates. I mean, it's, it's so rare to be able to, you know, share something so special with somebody and then be able to kind of share the rest of your life in this new chapter together. And, you know, it's, we've, I, I feel like Sean and I have gone through so much together of, you know, relationships and love and heartbreak and good times and bad times. And, um, you know, and, and celebrating together, whether it's, you know, it's a new deal or whether it's, you know, getting, going on a vacation or, you know, planning a trip together or, you know, whatever it is, we're, we're so lucky. I feel like that so early on in our, in our lives that we were able to do something together that truly will bond us for the rest of our lives. And, you know, and I think that goes way beyond the medals that we won in Beijing, obviously, you know, going, it, it's funny because, you know, 10 years ago we were roommates and, and here we are again, 10 years later and we're roommates again. And, and we've obviously gone through so much within those 10 years. But for me, it truly is about the relationships, the friendships, and, you know, the memories that I kind of created throughout my gymnastics career. And, and that to me goes way above and beyond any, you know, success in terms of, you know, medals or, or any of the results. Yeah, it's such a, I mean, it's an age old problem and it's so hard to communicate where when, when you're talking to young gymnasts and you see that they're so fixated on getting that D1 scholarship or making it to yeah. the Olympics um, to try to communicate that message to them that really like the value. Yes. The medals are great. And, and yeah. it's provided you with so much freedom and, and career opportunities and it's great. But when you look back on your career, that's not, that's not what's important. When I look back on my football career, like yeah. that's not what's important. I'm, I feel like I'm just now four year, five years into my professional football career, like understanding, wow, it's not about your achievements or your ribbons or what. And that's the thing though. It's like, had you told me this or like, mm -hmm. I could not have had this conversation 10 right. years ago in the thick of it, you know, like to me, it was all about the medals and the results because, you know, to play devil's advocate, it's like, okay, if you're saying that, and I'm going to basically contradict myself here, but if mm -hmm. you're basically saying that at the end of the day and at the end of your career that the medals don't matter, you know, when you're in the middle of it, it's like, then why am I training seven hours a day, six days a week? Yes. You know, I'm not training to not win. I'm not yeah. training to not be the best. And so it's, it's really hard to kind of put everything in a perspective when you're right. in the middle of it, but also when you exit kind of your sport and you quote unquote retire, because that's, I feel like when you truly get the perspective on why you did it for so mm -hmm. many years, why you train seven hours a day, six days a week for years and years and years. Yes, you wanted to be the best. And yes, you wanted to win those medals. And I, you know, what, what really bothers me is when people say, that's easy for you to say, 
because you did win the medals and because you do have an Olympic gold medal. And it's like, okay, I see where you're coming from. But at the same time, looking back at my gymnastics career, that's not what stands out to me. That's not the first thing that I think of. Yes, it's kind of part of my career. And don't get me wrong, I'm so fortunate and I'm so, so thankful that, you know, my hard work led to the results that I had, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't define me. It doesn't define, you know, the athlete that I am. The medals that I won will never define the person that I am. Right. And that, you know, Sean and I are super involved with, with Hope Sports. It was a charity that's, yeah. that's important to us because it's all about helping athletes or teams understand that, like, look, your performance, yeah, it's fun. It's enjoyable. It gives you some day-to-day meaning. But at the end of the day, you cannot find your identity in that because so many athletes, um, and we could talk about this, your transition, but like there's an emptiness, a depression for, it might be a week. It might be a couple months or years that oh, yeah. you experience when you have reached a certain level, you thought it was going to be fulfilling and you get there and it's not. Um, yeah, no, so. for sure. I mean, I, I went through that same thing and in, in making that transition, I mean, I went through, you know, a, a great <laughs> depression basically um, after my gymnastics the career ended depression. because I know I was like, I was like, <laughs> not the great depression, but yeah. it was, it, it really was a depression, but yeah. it was, it was really challenging because in that moment, I did let gymnastics define who I was as a person. And I did let the medals and the results define who I was. And so it took some time because I thought, okay, if I'm letting this define me, and if I truly believe that like people only love me or want to be friends with me or want to date me or, you know, any of those things because of my gymnastic success and my results. Like, who am I as a person? I don't have any worth if I don't do gymnastics. If I'm not competing at the Olympics, what is my worth? You know, and and that was a really difficult transition, especially kind of having to do it so young because I think everybody, no matter, you know, whether they're a professional athlete or not, we all go through these transitions in our lives, whether it's, you know, when you graduate college and you're like, oh my gosh, like I need a job and I need to figure out what I'm doing with my life or even going to college and you're thinking, okay, I have four years to kind of figure out, you know, what I want to major in, what is this next chapter in my life? So we all go through those transitional moments in our lives, but it's, it's, you know, and and I'm not just, I'm not saying that as a professional athlete, it's harder, you know, for us than it is for other people, but you know, when you do it in front of millions and millions of people and that becomes your identity and, you know, you're walking on the street and it's like, oh yeah, that gymnast or, you know, and and Sean and I get this all the time and it's like, you know, we'll be together and it's like, oh yeah, you girls are dancing with the stars. And we're like, we sure did. You know, we, we only spent 20 years like training for the Olympics, but no, I mean, regardless, like we're, we're obviously thankful that we had those experiences, but it, it truly is hard to not let something define you. And, and I'm, you know, I, I definitely did. I did for a long time. And I think when I was finally able to realize, okay, like I'm not like, I just, I I needed to figure out who Nastia was, not Nastia Lucan, the Olympic gymnast, not Nastia Lucan, the girl on Dancing with the Stars, like who I truly was as a person, what my new goals were, what, what, what is my passion outside of doing a flip on a four inch wide bounce? Right. Um, yeah, really well said. The last thing I'll say about this, because it's, I feel like a disease in the gymnastics world is um, parents who find their identity and their kids' <laughs> success in gymnastics. 
And I just feel like it's set. I've been around Sean when she's been approached by parents and they're like, what do I need to do for my eight year old to reach the Olympics? And it's like, you need to chill out. You need yeah. to step back and evaluate what you're doing. I know. Uh, I feel like Sean and I were both so lucky. Obviously our parents played very, very different roles with my parents being involved in a way of like being my coach and, and kind of being involved. But then also like they let me live a normal life. 100%. And now like, you know, it's, it's not about gymnastics. And I know Sean's family is so similar where, you know, for them, it was, and, you know, obviously I'm not going to put words in her mouth, but from, you know, what I remember and, and even, you know, now talking about it for them, it was more important for her to just have a normal life and be a normal 16 year old girl and have, and go to public school and, and, and be a normal person. Because I think when a parent is able and, and look like we're, we're not parents, so we can't really like <laughs> say like how a parent should act. But I think just from experiences, like the more, you know, a parent can just love you for who you are and not your results or not, you know, what they want you to do. And that's what mm -hmm. I always tell parents when they ask, you know, for similar advice, it's, you know, it's let them do what they're passionate about because they're not going to achieve your goals. They need to have a goal for themselves and, you know, they have to be passionate about that and not the opposite because when a parent or a coach wants it more than the athlete or the child, they're never going to be successful. Yeah. So true. Okay. So kind of ran down the list of, of your medals and your awards and your success. That was mostly leading up to the 2008 Olympics, correct? You made a yeah. comeback. Mm -hmm. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, in Beijing, you know, I was, I was 18 years old, almost 19. And at that time that was quote unquote, kind of old, um, you know, Sean was kind of what everyone said was like that perfect age. You're turning 16 the year of the Olympics. And, you know, I think over the last few Olympic cycles, we've all kind of proved people wrong that like, there is no perfect age. Like Sean did it when she was 16, became an Olympic champion you know, people are doing it now when they're 22 years old and, and 25 years old. So it's like, there is no perfect age. For me, I realized that as soon as the Olympics were over, you know, for so many years, I never, it's kind of crazy, but I never thought or even imagined life beyond 2008. Like life kind of like the world ended, <laughs> life ended, like there wasn't anything beyond that. And so I never thought past 2008. Um, but I guess when, you know, once that obviously happened and things, um, that the next few years after the Olympics were, you know, as you know, there's so many different opportunities and you, you kind of want to, and, and have to take advantage of that and, and not quite knowing what the future holds. But I always knew that I still loved gymnastics, even though I achieved my dreams and my goals, like at those Olympics, but I, 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 I don't know. I, I just didn't feel like I was done. And so I decided that I just wanted to give it one last shot. And in and, and either way, like whether I made that Olympic team or not, I didn't want to be at the, at the next Olympics in London thinking, what if, what if I just would have tried and given it my all one last time, regardless of the outcome and the results. And, and, you know, that's what I did. And, and at the Olympic trials, um, on my best event bars, I literally fell face first, you know, missed a release move, had a face plant. And, and in the moment, I think, yes, I was upset and disappointed that I knew that I wasn't going to make that Olympic team, but more so I was embarrassed and I was mortified because I, 
knew, you know, this time around, I was now going into the Olympic trials as the reigning Olympic champion. And a lot more people knew who I was that time around. And I had, you know, this, I had set this bar of, you know, expectation really as an Olympic gold medalist that, you know, if you were the best, you're supposed to be the best, like Olympic champions don't make mistakes, you're supposed to be the best. And so I, I think that was kind of the, the feeling that I, that there was a lot of feelings, but the feeling that was, you know, the strongest feeling was kind of embarrassment and disappointment that I had disappointed other people. Um, I knew that I was going to get past the, you know, the disappointment of not making that Olympic team, but I wasn't sure I was going to get past the fact that I disappointed so many people, um, both within kind of my, my circle of teammates, coaches, but also just like people in general. And so I remember I got back up and I finished that bar routine. I landed on my feet and I walked off kind of thinking like, all right, well, you know, like that was it. Like your, your career is basically is over. Um, what a way to go out, like with a face plant. And, and I, you know, took a second, took a breath. And then, you know, I, people started clapping and cheering. And so I remember I looked around the arena because I thought, you know, somebody must have just had an amazing moment on their way to making their first Olympic team. And I looked around and nobody was going, nobody was up on the podium. And I was like a little confused. And then people started standing up on their feet. And I just was like, I thought, I don't know what I thought. I thought, you know, the end of the rotation was over. People were going to get snacks. Like mm-hmm. I had no idea kind of what exactly was happening. And then I saw the entire arena was on their feet. And again, I looked around and, and I just had tears in my eyes because that was the first moment in my entire life where I realized that people were still going to love me, care about me and support me, even if I wasn't the best. Even if I fell on my face and I got last place, people were still going to love me. And I think that was a fear that I had for 22 years of my life, that people were only going to love me if I won a gold medal. And I don't blame anybody for that at all. I don't blame anyone for making me feel that way. It was a feeling that I put on myself because I was such a perfectionist, because I wanted to be the best. And you know, after the Olympics, when I, when I was the best and I received so much of that, you know, love and support and congratulations and everything, it just kept justifying, you know, those feelings that I had in my mind. Mm -hmm. And so when I, when I fell on my face and I got back up and I finished the routine and had my first standing ovation of my entire career for the worst routine of my entire career, that became the defining moment of my entire career because it wasn't about winning you know, up until then, Mm -hmm. that's kind of what I defined my personal success by was winning and was being the best. But when I had that fall at the Olympic trials, I quickly realized that, you know, life isn't about being the best. And it's, it's not necessarily about winning a gold medal or being last place or a success or a failure life is about finding something that you love to do and finding something that you're passionate about. And it's about that journey and being able to share it with the people that you love. But I didn't realize that, you know, until that moment, until I had a moment of quote unquote failure where I was disappointed and I was upset and I was hurt and I knew I had disappointed so many people, but seeing the people still support me 
was kind of everything that I needed in order to be able to close this chapter in my book and start a new one. Wow. That was absolutely beautifully said. Uh, I'm sitting over here with chills. I, I remember, you know, we've, we've laughed about that incident at trials before. Yeah. Um, but hearing you say it is really, really powerful. I think, I think that I resonate with it on a, on a pretty deep level as far as athletics, just because I had had like always pretty solid success in football until I got cut from the chiefs. And I remember I didn't feel like I was qualified to have a conversation with my parents or my family because I had let them down and there's like this overwhelming yeah feeling that you you disappointed somebody or you let somebody down and and like once you realize that hey you know what I am loved outside of of my performance like it's oh my gosh it changes everything it's such relief when it's not even you know I think you and I can relate on you know an athletics level but it's also just personally right so you know I've gone through moments recently in my personal life where you know I feel like you know I'm failing at something if a relationship didn't work out and you know for me that was personally um, you know kind of a hurdle to get over because I tried so hard you know and, and as an athlete if something doesn't work out, it's, it's basically, you know, for us as a gymnast, it's so different for you for the NFL, because, you know, your success is sometimes really dictated by, you know, someone's opinion, or, you know, someone just saying, like, you, you just didn't make that roster. And, you know, for us, I feel like competing, trying to make an Olympic team, like, if you just go out there and do your best four routines, you know, Sean and I both knew we were, we were very lucky that we knew if we could just hit four routines or, you know, eight routines, like basically at the Olympic trials, we were on that Olympic team. Whereas sometimes in life, you don't have control over certain situations or, you know, there's two people involved, obviously in a relationship or on a different sport, there's a whole team and there's like a, a whole process involved. And so, you know, I think for me having that moment that I had at the Olympic trials, I can relate it to so many more things in my life now when things don't go right. And when, you know, I feel like, as you said, you, you know, you feel like you like don't even want to talk to your family or you, because you feel like you failed, you feel like you, you know, whether you gave up or whether things didn't go your way or, you know, just, you know, things just aren't meant to be sometimes. And, you know, for me, it was, it was really difficult because I truly, as an athlete felt like if I didn't kind of figure things out or make things work, then, then I was a failure. And so, you know, it was kind of a difficult time, but I feel like once you're able to say like, no, not everything in your life, <laughs> just because certain things don't work out, like it doesn't mean that you're a failure. It doesn't mean that like you're a bad person. Like it just, certain things just don't work out. And whether or not you have an explanation for it like it's okay you have to understand that um you know life life will continue and life will move on and, and and you're not defined by these moments in your life whether it's in athletics or whether it's you know just in your personal life I had some more gymnastics questions to ask you I feel like there's some more important topics to talk about because mm -hmm. that that's a that's a really recent and and powerful story that you have to tell and mm -hmm. I'm, I want to share as much or as little as, as you feel comfortable but um, 
quite honestly, it's it's been something that to set this to stage a little bit. Uh, we mentioned that that Nastia, Sean, and I are roommates, and um, originally it was Nastia and her fiance, and Sean and I splitting the the uh, the apartment, and things changed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you talked about the team that helped you through your gymnastic struggles. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the team and how they supported you that has helped you through this personal struggle of yours. That's probably in a lot of ways exponentially more difficult than the gymnastics. Yeah. So I think going through kind of what I've gone through in the last, um, you know, six months or so, I feel like has been a, even, as you said, an even more difficult struggle, um, than any gymnastics struggle that I've gone through. Because as I said, you know, at the beginning of this interview, basically everything else comes second to family. And so, you know, gymnastics always came second. Business always came second. For me, it was, it was always about family and my relationships. Um, Mm -hmm. And so having to go through, you know, a breakup where, you know, you feel like you have, your whole life kind of figured out, um, you know, and, and now I, I kind of joke with my mom, but I'm like, I'm almost 30 years old and I'm like, I'm getting old, mom. <laughs> but you know, it's, it's scary because it's, it's really, it's starting over again. And, you know, I think that I thought, <laughs> I thought that I was done starting over. Mm. I thought that after my gymnastics career ended, that that was kind of the last time that I'd have to go through, you know, so many struggles of that next chapter and starting over. And, you know, when I met um, Matt at the time, I I knew that, you know, I thought that he was going to be the one for the rest of my life. And so, you know, it was kind of like, you think that basically that chapter of like finding the person that you're going to spend the rest of your life with is, is over. And, you know, you found that person and you feel happy and secure. And, and now you can kind of plan that next chapter and live the next chapter and Mm -hmm. and enjoy, you know, doing these new things in this new chapter together. And so, you know, obviously things didn't quite work out, but I think that for me, this kind of transition, you know, these last six months has kind of been, harder than any other transition, you know, at the beginning. And, and I'm like, so, so, so lucky, just as you know, I was during the gymnastics transition, you know, basically the same thing kind of happened where I realized how important it was to rely on the people in my life. um, And not just kind of keep it all inside. And you know, you and Sean have obviously been a huge, huge um, part of that, just because I feel like we have gone through so much to get the four of us and, you know, now it's the three of us and it's, it's, it's been definitely a challenge, but I feel like, you know, you, I don't know, like, I'm just, you've all like kept me laughing through, you know, instead of crying and, and, you know, my parents obviously have just been like, I thought that I 
saw how the extent of their greatness and their amazingness, you know, throughout the first 29 years of my life. And I truly didn't quite see it all until <laughs> these last six months because they have just gone above and beyond of like just showing their love and support. And it, it really has been a challenge, but at the same time, like six months um, later, I feel like I'm a different person um, than I really have been these last four years. And I feel like I don't regret a single thing um, at all that, you know, I was able to share so many amazing memories with someone and, and think nothing but incredible things of him. And I'm so, so lucky that, you know, the four of us were able to share so many amazing yeah. adventures together and, and the memories, like they'll never like be forgotten. Um, but you know, it's, it definitely is. Um, it's also an exciting time. And I think change is, change should be exciting and not scary. And, you know, when you're able to kind of move past that fear, then it truly is such an exciting time. But that being said, it's so important to still rely on those people in your life that you can trust and that, you know, you know, again, are going to love you. Um, through the good and the bad times. Like you have to find those people in your life um, that when you're going through hard times, that they're still just as available and just as supportive in that moment than they are when, you know, you're winning Olympic gold medal or you're on top of the world or things in their life mm -hmm. is great, things in your life is great. It's easy to be happy together. You have to find those people in your life that, you know, will be there for you through the ups and the downs. Yeah. No, this is more of a personal note, but it is amazing you having just told your your comeback story and you falling on your face how perfectly that prepared you for what you just went through you know you reach this you reach this amazing happiness level that you did in 2008 and then you have this letdown in a lot of ways and i just think like you know god and the powers that be uh prepared you for that in a lot of ways and from my point of view, you know that I, I, I do care for you deeply. And um, what's amazing about you is that you, you are such a strong woman, but you're also like really gentle and, um, and fragile in some ways. Anyway, uh, I respect you. And I think that you have the power to change and speak to a lot of people's lives um, who have had relationships that didn't that didn't end how they thought so i i encourage you to, to you. be vulnerable and and i really applaud what you're doing again i have chills over here and i just i just yeah. really fully appreciate you yeah and i think thank you that means a lot and i think it takes time you know i think it really hasn't been until now basically that i'm kind of like ready to share more i think everyone handles and deals with you know breakups and relationships um, there's no timeline, you know, for, for you to kind of be able to know, like when you are ready to move on. And, um, but that is kind of like, I want to kind of be open and I want, you know, people to know that when you think it's the end of the world, it's not, yeah. <laughs> you know, you're going to be, you're going to be okay. Um, and, you know, now looking back at it, like, I truly can say that. And there were definitely moments where I wasn't sure if that was the case. And I just had to keep reminding myself that at some, like, I might not be okay now, but I will be. And, you know, it's just 
that saying kind of just like helped me like it's okay if you're not okay now but you will be at some point and I don't know like I just I truly truly am a firm believer that you know with every obstacle that you have or every quote-unquote failure or disappointment you get stronger as a person and you become a better person and I I do believe um that these last four years and specifically these last six months have kind of made me the person that I am today. And I feel like a stronger person and a better person because of the experiences that I have had. And I really am excited to kind of go into this next chapter of my life. And um, again, like it could be scary, but at the same time, I'm, I'm choosing to, you know, I feel like you have a choice of how you can go into things and you can go into it with fear or you can go into, you know, something with excitement and, um, you know, none of us know what the future holds, but I think it's, it's how you go into something. Um, and, and that will kind of, um, you know, set the bar and, and kind of help guide, you know, your path, um, on, you know, how you're, how you're going to kind of handle, you know, any kind of situation. Yeah. And, Last thing I'll say about this and we'll put the rest, but I mm-hmm. just like when you were on top of that podium and you, you were thinking about that support triangle, this goes for you, me, anybody going through any struggle. Um, it's super important and it's difficult um, when you're at the top and the bottom to, to give credit and to press into the community that's around you. But in both situations, I, I view it, whether you're having success or a disappointment, there is some tendency to isolate yourself, do it solo. Um, but I always think that the right choice in those situations is, is to press closer into those people that really support you. And I think you did a, a wonderful job and I applaud you for how you, um, for how you got through it. So um, unless you have anything to say, I will, anything left to say on that note. Um, I want to, I want to cap off the gymnastics portion by asking you, you know, you still have such an amazing presence in the gymnastics. You're so active. You have the, the Nazi looking cup, um, which is a, everybody's favorite event from what I've heard. Um, what do you want your legacy in the sport to be? For me, it goes really back to, you know, not the success that I had, but the opportunities that I give the next generation. Um, And that to me has been just something that has driven me and motivated me ever since, you know, even before I retired um, from gymnastics, you know, creating the Nazi looking cup. And and that's always just been kind of at the base of what my mission, what my goals and what my passions are is, Mm -hmm. you know, going way, way back of, you know, the opportunities that I had as an athlete, you know, whether it was the mentorship, whether it was, you know, just being able to, to travel the world and compete or have incredible coaches or, you know, have teammates that I got to ask questions to or just look up to, you know, that to me, I didn't realize how fortunate and lucky that I was growing up because it was just right in front of me. It was almost, it was almost handed to me in, in a way of like, all right, you know, here's this, state-of-the-art gym here's your dad slash olympic gold medalist that's going to coach you (laughs) you know there were so many things that i I guess i i really didn't realize that um 
a lot of people don't get, you know, and, and that was just kind of normal to me that this was my gym. These are my coaches. These are my teammates who happen to also be world and Olympic champions. And I get to watch them and learn from them and, um, and, and try to follow in their footsteps. And so, you know, I know that that's not always the case, both in gymnastics, but also not just other sports, but also life in general, you know, it's, it's, social media is a great thing. And I think, you know, we, we all share similar kind of ideas of, it's awesome to be able to connect with people and, and have that community. But at the same time, it's, it's really challenging because it's, you know, when you have hundreds of thousands of followers, like you don't necessarily feel that genuine connection to somebody. And so that's what I've always, you know, kind of tried to do with um, specifically within gymnastics, I guess, because I felt like that was a community that I had um, an opportunity in to really help that next generation. Um, and I feel like, um, I don't actually, I don't know if feel like is the right word. I, I feel, I hope that I've kind of made some kind of impact um, on at least, you know, one athlete, one gymnast, one, you know, young girl that I have met along the way, whether she'd compete at the Nazi Luzen Cup um, or whether she, you know, watched or was inspired or, or something. I that's just always been my mission is, is to really try to help that next generation. Because when you really, when you really think about it, we're going to be gone one day and you know, this next generation is our future. Yeah. Uh, and so just trying to, whether it's inspire them, motivate them, um, encourage them in, in any way, that to me is just something that I've always um, aspired to do because I was so fortunate that so many, you know, kind of gave that to me and did that for me growing up. Yeah, I have no doubt that that you've la left uh, a lasting impact on not just one, but essentially every little girl that you've come across. Um, okay. So the the 2012 event happened um, mm -hmm. to come back. After that was a whirlwind where you went to NYU, you completed mm -hmm. a degree, which is blows my mind because at the same mm -hmm. time you're doing a thousand other things. Um, you wrote a book called Finding My Shine. Um, you want to talk about that for a second? Just what's in the book? Yeah, so Finding My Shine was, you know, it was really about <laughs> finding my shine again, because I felt like gymnastics, you know, gave me that that shine, that excitement for so many years. And, and then again, you know, not having that in my life anymore, not knowing who I was as a person, not having that, you know, that spark in my life. Uh, you know, by moving to New York, by going to school, by allowing myself to just be Nasia and, you know, the Nasia that you and Sean know so well, but so many people don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like it's a completely different person than, you know, the Nasia Lucan on Instagram, the Nasia Lucan that competed at the Olympics. And, and I'm really trying to do, I guess, a better job at kind of sharing that with other people yet also yeah. guarding that from other people um which you know it's, it's kind of that balance because i do want people to know who i really am but i also feel um you know at times i have to put these walls up and, and guard myself and protect myself at times and um that's always kind of been a struggle that i've had you know really throughout my life um and yeah so you know for me it was it was truly about that that chapter, you know, no pun intended, but that chapter in my life that, you know, <laughs> the book really is just about finding myself again and, and, and realizing too, that even if you achieve one dream, one goal, you know, something in your life, like 
that's great. Put a check by it and now set another goal and another dream and, you know, find another passion. Um, And it's not always easy, you know, and that's what I try to share with, you know, so many young girls of it's okay to be lost. It's okay to be confused. It's okay to be upset, depressed, whatever. Find that support system, you know, that's going to get you through those hard times. And, and for me, it was always, okay, let's, let's brainstorm. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's figure out what is it that you love? What drives you? What makes you smile? What makes you happy? What do you hate? You know, stay away from that. Um, and so it's, it's, it's hard, but at the same time, everybody goes through that in life. And so that really was kind of what the book was about of like finding that next, um, that next chapter and that next part of my life that was going to give me that spark again. Yeah. I think that's a perfect way to transition into the big projects you've been working on for the past two years. I mean, you have your blog, which is beautiful. I'd highly recommend people check it out. Nazilooking.com. Um, but two year, 2016, you started and it started as an app. It's now grown mm-hmm. into so much more. Yeah. Um, but grander has been kind of your way to, to give back and to, to speak to those little girls as you were just talking about. Yeah. So we created an app um, and, and again, kind of stemming from, you know, social media and, you know, being so lucky that we're able to connect and share with so many people on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever, but still feeling like we didn't really have like that deep connection or, you know, being able to truly influence someone by just posting a beautiful picture on the beach mm-hmm. in Malibu. <laughs> like th- there's like way beyond life to that. And so um, kind of going back to, you know, my, my mission and kind of what I wanted to do um, throughout my life and, and kind of help that next generation. And so, as you said, it started as an app and we decided to um, really focus on one gymnastics or one community first, that being gymnastics, just because we, you know, had the access and we had kind of the bandwidth to be able to um, kind of have, you know, some trial and error um, time of figuring out, okay, what do people want? What do they want less of? What do they want more of? What works? What doesn't? And we feel like we've um, learned a lot about it and we're working on version two of the app now and kind of opening the doors and and not just focusing just on gymnastics um, and not even just sports because, you know, we're, I'm, I'm not naive enough to think that, you know, everyone wants to be an Olympic gymnast or everyone wants to be a professional athlete, you know, some people want to be a scientist, a doctor, a lawyer, whatever, and they still need that constant inspiration. They need the guidance. They need the mentors. They need all of that. And, and I'm myself like in that same bucket too of, you know, I had that in gymnastics, but, and I, you know, I do feel like I'm so fortunate and so lucky that I, that I do have amazing mentors, you know, in my life and business, both women and, and men and, um, you know, athletes turned entrepreneurs, um, all sorts of things, but not everyone has that kind of access. And so that's really what we're trying to create and, and do and, and hopefully inspire that next generation to just be the best version of themselves, you know, not to win a gold medal, not to have the highest salary or the best job position. It truly is just about being the best you that you can be. Yeah, that's great. It's fun. I feel like uh, Sean and I were, were able to see your vision and be a part of it from the beginning. Back when it was, yeah. remember when it was called Zing originally? Zing, <laughs> yeah, Zing platform. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, we've, we've come a long way and, you know, it's, it's been exciting. Um, you know, so I, I started the company with um, my former fiance and that's also kind of been, you know, a little bit of a test, I guess, within, within all of this going on and, and, 
you know, earlier when we talked about kind of separating relationships and business, well, this yeah. has truly been the true test because we're now doing it more so than ever. Um, but I feel like because we're both so, you know, passionate and driven about kind of the mission of this, um, you know, so far it's been um, something and, and we're lucky that we've also brought on, you know, some incredible people to our team um, that have, you know, helped us go through this uh, personal transition and kind of, you know, helped us, um, you know, continue carrying on the vision and, and, you know, our goals for the future for, you know, the business and the platform and the community um, itself. So we're excited. Yeah. We have some really cool stuff kind of in the works. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited for these next few years, especially leading up towards, um, you know, on the athlete side, leading up towards the Olympics, like this is, you know, a time that, um, you know, athletes, you know, need that little extra inspiration or that extra help, or, you know, they are extra inspired, motivated because the Olympics are coming around or they're watching it. And uh, so I, I think it's, it's going to be a, a fun, you know, few years as we continue to evolve and um, continue to grow. Yeah. And for those of you listening, be on the lookout for uh, the grander summit, which happened this year in August. I'm not sure what the schedule is next year, but mm -hmm. uh, Sean and I were able to go. Sean was a part of it. And the, I mean, it was an amazing event. They brought in literally the biggest <laughs> names in every different industry. Nikki Bella, uh, you had, I mean. Oh, Ava gosh. Birdie, I mean, the, yeah. Like so many. Birdie, yeah. The list was just like. Rachel honestly, the Bachelorette. Like, yeah. It, like, I mean, we had Olympians. We had CrossFit athletes. We had entrepreneurs, like founders, CEOs. Like, it was I kind of had like a fan, I, so I was kind of moderating like the whole thing and hosting it. And I kind of had a moment of like a fangirl moment because I was just like, wait, what? Like we Crazy. created this? Like it's, you know, you, you get into this like routine almost where you're just like, okay, like stick to the schedule. Like, okay, what are your questions you're asking? Like, well, and then like at the very end, I had, a, I had just like the second where I like kind of spaced out and I like, looked around this like packed room and our incredible speakers and you know our incredible the, the brands and the sponsors that were part of it and, and just everything and in, in, in the back and just seeing the grander team there that kind of made it all possible it was it was really something special and um it kind of gave me um a lot of like excitement and um motivation to you know continue um bringing some kind of inspiration and motivation to others as well it's fantastic now, see, I know we're going over time. I'm going to, okay. we'll, we'll be done by, uh, in, in the next 15 minutes, I promise. Uh, I want to get to some fan questions because people are really, really excited. We got just tons. Whoa. Um, are you, are you ready for some fan questions? I'm ready. Okay. Ready for the fans. Um, let's see here. Uh, Mason Stoner just wants to say sup. Um, What's up, Mason? Brianna Joe just wants to know if you can cut my hair. Uh, we'll get this serious. I'm going to, I'm going to not do it, but one of our good friends, Harshell is an awesome <laughs> hairstylist. Oh, she's coming over here later. So I'm going to, I'll hook you up, Andrew. <laughs> um, let's see. Lorna Thompson wants to know, tell me about your relationship with Sean. Now, this is interesting because talking about Matt, I feel like if, you know, he played a huge role in your life. And I feel like one thing, I don't want to give myself too much credit, but um, him and I were kind of the reason that you and Sean got back together. And we'd never, I'd never met totally. Matt, but 
uh, I, I can let you expand. At the time, you had never met him. Exactly. And yeah, we both yeah. had the kind of the same concept, whereas like, hey, these are the, Wait, the dark days. actually, <laughs> you guys, I met you and you met him at your guys' wedding. That's nuts. It's nuts. It, yeah, okay. That's just weird. But like. You guys just tried yeah. to get into good graces with us so you could be at our wedding and it worked. So you were there. I mean, not, basically, <laughs> if anyone needs to do that, I'll give you the 411 on how to get yeah. to <laughs> Totally kidding. You did well. Um, but what was funny was I was in New York. Um, I was living there, you know, at the time going to school. And and I was at this place um, in the East Village called Gemma. And I had a, it was a, a restaurant at the Bowery Hotel. And I was sitting there and I had an interview with um, a guy from the New York Times and it was a few months before your guys' wedding. And, you know, of course, like Sean and I laugh about this now because it's like any interview that we do anywhere we go, you know, especially if it's around the Olympics and gymnastics, like we come up in, you know, in each other's interviews or conversations or whatever oh. and all the time. And so the guys like, you know, we always had this standard answer, like, yeah, we're friends, we're busy, like, we, live, we don't live in the same place, but she's great, and we're like, meanwhile, we have not spoken in eight years, I don't know how the heck she's doing, I don't know where she lives, I don't even have her phone number anymore, um, <laughs> all true stories, and so he asked The medieval me, times of your guys' relationship. The medieval times, yeah, a solid eight years, um, <laughs> and so he asked, you know, if I knew, you know, your wedding, Sean's wedding's coming up, like, will I be going? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, well, uh, I wasn't invited. I haven't spoken to her in eight years. And I was like, you know, we're both so busy. I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to make it. Like, I didn't say that I wasn't invited at the time. And I also said that I wasn't going, I didn't not say I was going, I didn't say I was going. But then so we moved on from that conversation and I was a little bummed, like kind of thinking about it, like when he brought that up, when someone said that out loud and I thought, you know, this kind of sucks. Like Sean and I went through so much together. And even though at the mo in that moment, we weren't necessarily friends to miss out on somebody's wedding. That's like the biggest, one of the biggest moments of your life. Like, I think like, way beyond like anything gymnastics related, you know, a wedding, having a baby, like your family, like all those monumental moments in your life. And I, I was really, it, it really upset me. Um, and so he got up to go to the bathroom and I like quit, I got on my phone and I had this email and it was like, Sean Johnson, I forget what her email is. I have to ask her every time I see more. Um, and I'm like, I literally like dropped my phone on the table and I'm like trying to read through it as quick as possible before he comes back to the bathroom. And basically, <laughs> and like, and then I'm like, wait, what I said about Sean? No, I'm just kidding. I like didn't say anything because I was just like, I was like, wait, oh my gosh, what is happening? So the interview ends. I'm just sitting there like reading this email. I quickly, basically she's saying she was sorry. She doesn't know, you know, how this happened, how it's been eight years, why we're not friends, like, let's, like, she'd love to basically move past this and see me and, like, talk to me, but only if I want it, and I was just like, are you kidding me? Like, I've wanted to be friends, like, I've wanted to get past this. I do have to admit, she was the bigger person, but I, I think all that credit goes to you making her be the bigger person. <laughs> um, I just but basically, it like, it was such an like, unnecessary feud. It was <laughs> so stupid. Well, the right. thing was, is like, 
it wasn't even a feud because I feel like a feud is like stems from something. Nothing ever happened, yeah. you know? So it was exactly anyway. So yeah. So we actually met up a few weeks after that. She said she was coming to New York for an event. We went to Gemma nice. um, and we like hugged and like yeah. cried and it was, it was cool. And then like a few months later, Oh, and then she was like, so I'm getting married. I'm like, yeah, I know. <laughs> so funny. Um, and yeah. We, we almost had, we almost had you in your wedding because she was like, Nasa and I went through so much. And I know I haven't talked to her in eight years, but this is how close we were. And I was like, yeah, like, wow. It's just, it's such an interesting combination, like a, a terrible blend of like high school mean girls. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Meets athletics meets, you know, the biggest meets, like, Olympic medals. And managers <laughs> and media. But, and, like, but put in like, like the world's biggest stage too. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't blame you guys for not talking. Um, yeah. Um, there are some questions on here about USAG. I don't want to talk about NASAR or any of those mm-hmm. guys. I don't want to go into depth to, mm-hmm. to depth. But what I do want to do is, since I got a little behind the scenes look at the uh, – you and Sean were both between a rock and a hard place and how to navigate that because from your perspective, there was no – uh, negativity that you experienced. People expected you to speak on it, but you couldn't because it wasn't your story to tell. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was. And, and interestingly enough, we were all together. in LA together at the apartment um, when all this started going down and we were just like, had no idea yeah. how to handle it because as you said, Sean and I were so lucky that we didn't have to go through the abuse that so many of our teammates and closest friends went through. That being said, our heart hurt for them and we wanted to support them. um, Which doesn't doesn't necessarily mean publicly, you know? And that's what's so frustrating with like social media and like the public life that we live. I guess we put ourselves into that kind of position, that situation. But then, you know, I think her and I both felt pretty strongly that, as you mentioned, this wasn't our story to tell. Like this is a time where the survivors and and the people that were abused should be speaking out and should be sharing. And we didn't necessarily feel like we should yeah. yet when we didn't it was like why aren't they saying anything why aren't they supporting them and so publicly you know it's like right. we supported them private so oh yeah anyway, you guys are so, texting yeah. them and calling them and like the support was, was real very very real it, yeah and so that's kind of like when I feel like if we didn't already realize like <laughs> right like people just don't always know what happens privately Behind versus publicly yeah. like just because yeah. you're not yeah. tweeting something or posting on Instagram like doesn't you don't know what's happening in real life right. you know it's yeah so yeah. anyways it's a, it's interesting because you know as soon as Nastia makes a comment or as soon as Sean makes a comment that's gonna make the headlines over ex-victim telling their story so and that's not fair I, you know yeah. and it's like yeah, yeah. It's, it's not it yeah. wasn't about us and so but then at the same time like it was hurtful because people, you know, oh, were kind of absolutely. like, well, you're not supporting us. So anyway, yeah. so anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, I applaud how you dealt with that. And your, the statement you made was beautiful. Um, let's see. Megan Dale wants to know what, uh, let's see. No, sorry. Uh, here we go. Kendra Zwart wants to know, what would you say about Andrew if he wasn't in the room? 
Nastia. Okay. <laughs> I literally tell everybody this, like, you're the funniest, goofiest, silliest guy. <laughs> and I couldn't have asked for, hoped for, prayed for someone better than you for Sean. Wow. Like you bring out the best in her. And, you know, I, not to bring up the past, but like I never met any of her other ex-boyfriends. I've heard about them, obviously, but. She dated other I people? Just, um but no I mean I think especially this last year since we've had you know our place all together in LA like I've just seen it both in times of like yeah happy times <laughs> frustrating times like yeah. I've been in the middle of like you guys screaming over me and I'm just like hey guys who wants to go to Okay, no screamings involved but um uh, no it's just been it's been really really awesome I feel like you know getting to know you more and getting to know your guys's relationship more and I feel like you know you could probably say the same thing you know inverse because we have just we've all gone I feel like all of us have gone through a lot personally um yeah. this last year you yeah. know both you guys and your relationship and in trying times um, and, you know, me as well. And, you know, it's, I always just say like everything happens for a reason. Um, and so it's, yeah, but I, I, I'm like, so like every time I like anyone asks me about you or like, they're like, is he really like that in person? Like how he is? I'm like, yes. Like <laughs> I am like probably the definition of being complete opposite. Like what you see on social media yeah. isn't me in real life. What you get on social media from you is you in real life. And I, I love that about you. And I love that, like, it just, I'm, yeah, I could go on and on about, like, you guys as a couple. And it's just, it's so awesome to see, you know, Sean be so happy. And you guys really do, um, you bring out the best in each other. So, yeah. yeah. Um, thank you, Nasia. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we'll, this is a tough one. Um, okay. You mentioned that Nasty on social media is not the Nasty in real life. Uh, who is Nasty? What is, what is your identity? Like, you know, outside of the gymnastics and the medals, who, who is Nastia? Well, I guess because you know the real Nastia, you can like me, can straight I, up say if I'm lying or not. Or do you want to start? Okay, well, let me, let me just talk and, and we'll see if you confirm it or not. I feel like... You are an extremely thoughtful person. There's nobody better at giving gifts than you. I mean, we've gotten so many cupcakes um, <laughs> from you that it's amazing. Uh, conversationally, you are very, very uh, articulate. You have very clear-cut pers- perspectives on things. You communicate them well. Um, your energy, <laughs> I feel like Sean, Sean gets annoyed at us. Because as soon as there's a song playing, oh, yeah. you and I are Forget bouncing it. around. Forget it. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, and, and you're you're very focused on family. I I I respect your priorities, and I think what you said about family always being your first priority, you live out. So props props to you. You're also um, very capable, although you don't like to try new things. Oh yeah, especially you know. birds. Especially riding <laughs> bird scooters. Uh, that's funny, but that's that's kind of the yeah. short version of. Who I, see. I I have to agree with everything that you said. I feel like 
it's been, I think it's, it's hard for me and I feel like I've gotten better at it. Um, but I feel like, again, this kind of stems back from when I was an athlete and being a gymnast. And, you know, I always thought that people were only going to love me or whatever, if I was like the best. And like, I set this bar for myself and it's like, I, you know, I, I honestly feel like it kind of like things turned for me when I, for the good, when I was on Dancing the Bears and. No. Oh my. Sorry. Sorry. Oh my gosh. I almost freaked out there. I thought we lost you. Someone just called me. Oh um, my gosh. I don't know who it was, okay, but, yeah. um, okay. So I feel like when I was on Dancing with the Stars, it kind of turned for the good because I, you know, the first like eight weeks of the 10 week competition, I was like my, like Nasty Luca, the Olympic gymnast, like mm-hmm. cameras were on. I was super stoic, serious focused. And I was partnered with Derek Huff. And so you know, at the end, you know, he was kind of like, okay, when the cameras turn off, like, you're funny, like, you're, you're yourself, but, like, as soon as the cameras turn on, like, you're just, like, this, this other person, and I was, like, I was, like, yeah, because, like, I'm on, like, I have to be, like, you know, and so I feel like that, I started learning really kind of, like, then, and now I hope to just, like, be able to continue to do that more so, but again, like, having, it's hard. I, I don't know. Like I always want to believe the best in people. And so I want to trust people. Mm-hmm. And so I just, sometimes I feel like have to be careful, you know, with like letting my guard down too much in terms of friendships or relationships, like the people that are in my life now, I obviously have like such a trust for, and I'm so lucky that I have them. Yeah. Um, and I can totally be myself. And yeah, I mean, as you said, like us two yeah. together and like Sean will just get super annoyed yeah. <laughs> um but but like it's it's fun like I feel um yeah I think I I think I'm able to kind of separate too of like when I need to be focused and kind of need to turn on but then I also um am you know 100% myself when I'm around people that yeah. um I trust and I love that would be two other words trustworthy and trusting and then also Nastia can text like nobody I've ever seen. But, okay, first uh, of all, I think that's actually not a good thing because what I realized is me being a good texter, I set the bar way too high for everybody else because I'm like, if I can reply right away, why can't this person reply right oh, away? Man. Like, And people are just like, okay, we're not on. And I don't know, like, I guess like, well, I think Sean and I can battle for she's the worst texter in the world. I'm the best, but I think, I think we can battle for who's on our phone the most. And like, we can like share our screen times. But what I've learned about Sean too, is like, if she doesn't reply, I'm the person that's going to double text and triple text and quadruple text until I get a reply from her. (laughs) And it's like, you can't do that with everyone. Crazy. Crazy. I (laughs) I definitely have some like psycho Uh. crazy in me. But it's also like, Sean, I know you're on your phone. You're sending yeah. me, you're sending me memes on Instagram <laughs> DM. Answer my <laughs> So funny. You guys kill me. Uh, yeah. You guys kill me. Um, okay. Uh, I want to be sensitive to your time. So right now, you're CEO, co-founder of Grander. Just uh, co-founder. Co-founder. My apologies. Um, you have your blog, which is doing very, very well. You have your investor and an equity holder and lots of different companies. You have so many exciting things going on. 
what are your goals? And I ask because what are your goals now? Because right now I'm actually going through a process. I'm in a men's group and it's a challenge that we're doing to set a vision for what, like, what do you want your life to look like in 20 years down to the car you're driving, the kids you have, the names that those kids have. And then like, okay, well, I'm not sharing my future kids names with you, Andrew. <laughs> oh, okay. Jeez. Okay. Nice. Um, I'm no, totally fine. But what are your goals now? For me, I, I mean, obviously on a professional like side of things, like I want to continue growing grander. I want to continue mm-hmm. hoping to inspire that next generation to be the best version of themselves. Um, you know, I'd love to continue doing a lot of the things that I do, whether it's, you know, commentating from BC at the Olympics, whether, you know, it's, becoming a better businesswoman, um, you know, becoming smarter and stronger um, in better in, in the business sense. But I feel like my biggest goals are more personal goals. Um, you know, when I, again, just going back to at the end of the day, like, none of this matters. You know, it's all about family. And for me, I, you know, I want nothing more than to have, um, be able to share, you know, family holidays with, with somebody and have kids one day. And, you know, that to me is, um, super important. I'm not saying that that's like my two month goal. Like I, you know, obviously you can't like do that like right now, but I mean, that's definitely something when I look at the next, you know, five, 10 years ahead, like I hope to, um, be happy personally. Um, I think personal happiness trumps any kind of, you know, professional or career happiness any day. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, I think like, I'm so lucky. I mean, there's obviously things that I want to achieve and, and, and do, but at the end of the day, I have two incredible parents, um, and you know, an incredible, extremely incredible, small, but amazing group of friends, um, you know, that I can really probably count on with one hand, but I am so lucky, um, that I can trust them and I can call them up any time of day or night. And I know that they'll always be there for me. So personally like that, those are the things that are important to me. Um, yeah, professionally, I'd love to, you know, achieve, you know, certain things and, and, and I don't know, I, it, so every New Year's, basically every New Year's Eve, I, I kind of sit down and, and I create a new vision board for myself mm-hmm. and write out new goals. So it's kind of, you know, getting close to that time of year where I kind of like reflect back on the year. And, and obviously there's a lot to reflect back on this year, but also I feel like it's really important to, instead of, you know, reflecting back too much to really just kind of focus on the future and moving forward. So I'm excited for 2019 and kind of seeing you know, what God kind of has in store for me this year, I, you know, would have never thought when 2018 um, mm-hmm. hits that, you know, I'd be here at the end of the year, but also I'm such a believer that everything happens for a reason. And I have absolutely no regrets. And, you know, I get asked that a lot, like, what do, what do I wish I could change, whether it was my gymnastics career, my personal like life, like anything and nothing, you know, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. And, um, you know, sometimes we don't necessarily know what that reason is. Um, but I, I do believe that, um, you know, we are where we are today um, for a reason. And so I'm, I'm really excited about the future, even, 
even though at times it can be scary when you don't know what that is, but it's also, you know, as I said, I'm, I'm choosing to move forward with excitement over fear. I'm excited for your future, Nas. I'm very excited. Um, three takeaways, three lessons you've learned from what you've experienced in life. Yeah. Um, family over everything. Um, you know, again, at the end of the day, nothing else matters. Everything goes away. The medals, the money, the success, everything will all go away. Um, and family will always be there uh, for the rest of your life. Um, life isn't about being the best. Um, so I guess similar, you know, to the first point, but it's not about competing against each other. And I think, you know, it's, because I had that for so many years and for that first chapter of my life was like, was all about competing. Like, I mean, it, go, it goes down all the way to like why I like soul cycle versus flywheel because flywheel is a competition and soul cycle. You're just there for yourself. I love that. Uh, yeah. I feel <laughs> like, but like, I feel like yeah. maybe more guy. I don't know. I, I just like, I, I'm done competing with others. Like I want to work together and instead of competing and pitting you know, each other against each other, like let's collaborate, let's work together, let's build a community. Um, so yeah, just working together versus, you know, trying to be better than one another and trying to compete with one another. Um, and the third one is personal happiness. Um, I feel like that's kind of a big one for me that I realized a lot this year um, was the importance of, of just truly being happy and not ignoring your personal happiness. Mm. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes that's hard to do. Um, I'm guilty of it sometimes and, and putting others ahead of your personal happiness, whether that's a relationship, a friendship, work, you know, a business opportunity, you know, anything. At the end of the day, you know, kind of this all goes back to the first one, but, you know, your personal happiness and your family, you know, trump everything else. Yeah. Wow. Thank you, Nastia. I know this went a little longer than uh, anticipated, but I'm really glad that that I, I just feel like in so many situations and so many uh, discussions you give, it's either in the super professional uh, setting because you're always, you know, crushing a business or it's strictly gymnastics. And I'm glad that we were able to focus on you a little bit. And, you know, I, I would encourage you because I've gotten the honor. I've been honored to get to know you with as much as you feel comfortable, share more of this, this side of Nastia. This is, you know, People love, I love this Nastia. People love this Nastia. Um, so yeah, thank you for your time. And uh, I can't wait to, to talk to you later, Nas. Thanks. Hurry <laughs> back to LA, Ruby. <laughs> <laughs>Hey guys, it's Andrew, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of Redirected. If you find this podcast valuable, there are a lot of ways you can support it. You can review it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever platform you happen to listen from. You can share it with your friends on social media, blogs, or on your own podcast. Also, head over to andrewdes.com for more information and to request your favorite celebrity, entrepreneur, athlete, or anyone else who inspires you. And while you're at my site, be sure to sign up for my newsletter so you can get updates on other fun stuff going on.
Also, you guys know I love connecting with you. So if you want to reach out to me directly on Instagram or Twitter, my handle is at Andrew D. East. Thanks again, and we hope to see you next time on Redirected. Oh, 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 oh.